White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 758. Hey, this is Stan White, and you're listening to the AU Wishbone. Did Auburn win the bye week? Let's talk about it. The AU Wishbone is next. You're listening to the AU Wishbone, almost credible sports discussion on the White Rocket Entertainment Network. Bye-bye, Bo! From the palatial White Rocket Studios in Southern Illinois in Eastern Virginia, it's the AU Wishbone Podcast. John, how are you tonight? Very well, Van. How are you? Hey, we survived the bye week. We survived the bye week. I am your host, Van Allen Plexico. I'm joined as always by my co-host. I'm John Ringer. So, John, it was the bye week, and we didn't have to play anybody. I, there was a funny bit where the uh, the SEC roll call guy said, one of the teams was saying, now, how did... How should we prepare to play BYU? He's like, you ain't playing BYU. You got a BYE. <laughs> so I'm kind of glad we didn't play BYU. We got to we got to buy and we got to take it easy. And uh, and there's several things Man, that Coach Freeze talked about. So we'll talk about it. Like the players, we needed the buy me. We did. Okay? It's been it's been a, a, a an intense first you know month and a half of the season. We needed a break. We needed a little bit of time away from Auburn football. Yeah. Without that. That worry on Saturday, and now we're ready to go back into it. Yeah, if they could have timed it to be where, where you were gone, that would have been even better. But it worked out. We wouldn't have the worst coach in the world segment. That kind of is one of the things that came that grew out of your absence is that we have a new segment, so that's fine. Um, but yeah, so we got several things to talk about. Coach Freeze had a had a uh, we were recording this on Monday night had a had a press conference. There's a few things to talk about there. And we have a few uh, look at some of the other games from last week and what's coming up. And we're going to kind of preview the LSU game. But before we do any of that, of course, everybody, all of our longtime listeners know the first thing we have to do. It's the Auburn Fun Meter, John. I always enjoy the, the look on your face when I play that song. That's always your signal to start thinking about what you're going to say. <laughs> John does the little emoji of rubbing his chin when the... Uh, when the, when the fanfare plays. So, the Auburn Fun Meter, where we judge on a scale of 0 to 10 how fun it was to be an Auburn fan this past week. And I got to tell you, after a couple of losses, I agree with you we needed some time away, but also it would have been nice to go out and beat up on a cupcake this week just to kind of feel better about ourselves. So I'm, I'm kind of in a gray area this week. Where are you on it? That's fair. I think we had some success in non-football and basketball sports, and I think basketball practice started for the fall. That got me a little bit excited thinking yeah. about basketball season. Um, so I'm going to say I'm a six. Yeah, that's that's good. I I'm for I'm a six going into today, but now knowing that it's LSU week, I'm closer to a seven. So I guess I'll say six and a half, just because I'm. I'm kind of a six for this last week, but a seven coming up going into LSU week. It's always LSU week's always fun. So even when we know we're going to get killed, it's fun just thinking about playing those knuckleheads, those weirdos, weirdos of the SEC. It's truth. So uh, let's see. We've got some Auburn football news, and man, injuries have played ha- played Hob and Havoc with this team. What are we looking like right now? So. It- 
as most people are aware, we lost another defensive player uh, from the game against Georgia. Uh, Mosiah Nasilakite is a defensive end who's been playing a lot, <laughs> and he is out for the year, it looks like. He was, you know, had come over from Maryland, had made a had just played a lot of plays on the defensive line. He didn't have a ton of stats of just sacks and mm-hmm. pass rush and stuff, but he had held up against the run. It was part of the reason we were having success on defense because he was holding his ground and letting the linebackers and the safeties go make plays and not get swallowed up. So I think he, I think it's a loss. I think it's not good. Um, the guy behind him is Keldrick Falk, the true freshman who's highly recruited. But, you know, I, I worry about Falk. Um, you know, he's been playing about 15 or 20 snaps a game. And does he have the, you know, the frame to hold up to, you know, 45 snaps a game in an, in an SEC grind? Uh, he's been very productive. Falk's been getting in the backfield, making stuff happen. I mean, he could probably do more of that if he plays more. But I worry it's going to grind him down a little bit. So we got to keep an eye on that. They may there's been maybe some other guys. Zakevius Walker is another guy that's kind of the third string guy that definitely be taking some snaps that position now. So. And they, I think that, the, that Coach Freeze is even saying that one of our good defensive players has been playing too much, and they need to give him more rest. Yeah, Harris uh, yeah. on the other end of the line. So. Mm-hmm. Hey, he's the guy that had the great game against Georgia, but you're right. I think he's been playing a little too many snaps, and I think I, we saw this over the last couple of years. Like a l- fewer snaps, you could have more productivity if you're fresher at the end of the game. So, yeah, because um, during uh, both seasons with potatoes, we ended up running our defensive line into the ground, and we had nothing in the fourth quarter. You lose, you know, yes. you win the game in the fourth quarter. You can also lose the game in the fourth quarter. So, um, let's see. Yeah. Keldrick Falk is awesome. Don't want to overdo him either, though. Don't want to get him hurt. Uh, I did see that Damari Austin's ahead of schedule. He wanted, I think he think he thought he could play this week, and they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, don't overdo it. We don't. We're not going to bring you back quite yet. But it's good to know that he's kind of in the hopper, or getting lined up. You know, he's he's getting in the queue. He's not he's not still in intensive care. He's you know he's looking better. And we, I mean, we're really going to need him down the stretch, I think. I hope he's going to be able to contribute. Absolutely. I mean, an offense that needs a spark, and here's a guy that has a spark, and he, you know, we can look forward to him coming back and adding a little something when he gets back there. Well, I mean, he was the best running back the first two or three games when we didn't really have a good running thing going. And it felt like against Georgia, we kind of figured out the running game a little bit, but he wasn't there to enjoy it. So we kind of, because I mean, you know, Jarquez had a pretty good running. Obviously, the quarterback did. Um, and then um, Batty even had some good running plays against Georgia. So I just kept thinking, man, if what if Damari was off, was out there right now, what he could be doing. So, And by the way, talking about against Georgia one more time, there was a really good video I saw this week that broke down sort of why we were able to do some things against Georgia. And it was really interesting. It was saying that, that our coaching staff kind of figured out this is the way I interpret it. I may be entirely wrong. They're saying our coaching staff kind of figured out the rules that Georgia's defense plays by, like what they do. And so we basically ran our offense against Georgia to force them into contradictions in their rules where they didn't know what to do. Like it made them have to stop and think and figure stuff out constantly, and that was how we were able to kind of get a step on them over and over and over. And I thought that was really smart. It was, and it was – a lot of that was going back to make you know their tendency is always to take the inside and and the running back on the inside 
and and to if they have a choice, that's where they're going to go between two guys. And and knowing that setting up the outside run by the quarterback in particular was a big part of that game plan. And so I think that did it did make a lot of sense. Um, you know, the difference that you saw Kentucky play them this weekend, and we could talk about that game in a little while. But Kentucky's quarterback can't run, and that's not part of their game plan. So that kind of thing would never work for them. I didn't watch a second of the Georgia Kentucky game because I was out of the house during that game and I just I checked the score, I checked the score, I checked the score, and like it was like seven nothing, fourteen nothing, twenty one nothing, whatever. And I'm just like, oh man. So what was Georgia doing to Kentucky that they couldn't do to us? Was it just at home or was it they matched up better? Yeah, two things. Every SEC team is going to be dramatically better at home, Georgia included. Yeah. I mean, again, where they came to Auburn, it was a tough environment. That was a quarterback's first road start. In this game, he was at home, much more comfortable. But also, Kentucky plays a style of football where they basically do what Georgia does. They run the ball. They play defense. They have a little controlled passing game. But they just do it with not as good talent. So Kentucky's thing is going to work against the lesser talented teams in the conference. But when they play the – the Georgia's, the Alabama's is going to fall apart because they have guys on the other side that can do that same stuff just better. Yeah, makes sense. So, um, Austin Keys and Keontae Scott, what do we know about those two gentlemen? I mean, Keys is the middle linebacker transfer we got from Ole Miss who hasn't played much at all this year. He's still yeah. out. Hopefully, they're hoping he can come back. And then, you know, Scott originally was diagnosed as out for the year. There was some talk maybe he could be back late in the year, but I am not holding my breath about that. So, yeah, we've just got way too many guys, especially on defense now, that are yeah. – we the, the one thing we really didn't need this year was injuries, and we've just got so many of them. It's, it's just ridiculous. And it's – again, it's, all, it's not an excuse, you know. Though I will say this, uh, you know, you have a question here, did we learn anything during the bye week? And one thing I learned is there are some Auburn fans that just have – I know this is going to be a shock to you, so hold on to something. There are some Auburn fans out there that have unrealistic expectations. I mean – you know, we've had a couple of seasons in the past where coaches came in and it just we had a miracle season. Um, but it seems to me the coaches that have ended up being better in the long run are the ones that didn't have a miracle season. They were able to build. Pat Dye didn't have a miracle season. He went five and six. Tuberville didn't have a miracle season. He went five and six. Um, so, and and you know, this staff inherited such a situation from 2020, 2021, 2022 that. Um, it's kind of miraculous they were even able to assemble a team to a certain degree the way that they did, which is so funny how we forget, too. We, we were talking about that like, oh, I can't believe how great a job they're doing bringing in transfers and recruits. And then we're like, well, how come we didn't beat Georgia? How come we didn't beat Texas A&M? Because we were a crap team until recently, and we're still building, and we have injuries. And, they, I mean, the expectations just don't make any sense to me. It's a long process to get to the place where we will be on an even playing field with Georgia and Alabama and Texas A&M. Yeah. We are not there. No. We plugged the holes with, you know, transfers and duct tape in the off season, but that just kept the ship afloat. That didn't make us on the same level as them. Right. Um, so I mean, again, we took good receivers from Hawaii and Jackson State. Um, you know, and Georgia took the best receivers from Missouri and Mississippi State. Yeah. Yep. So, so. Alabama's best receiver was a high recruit from Georgia. So. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, well, what else did we learn during the bye week? Um, 
I I want to get pick get your opinion about this. I think okay. there are now two kinds of SEC teams, right? At in the top half of the league, there are teams that are good on defense, and there are teams that are good on offense. So the good defense teams are Alabama, A and M, Georgia, and Auburn. And the good offense teams are LSU, Ole Miss, and Missouri, and are probably going to put Tennessee in there. But I'm right. Um, yeah, yeah. So what happened? Like those teams, I think there's really two clear groups there, and we've had some of those teams playing each other, right? LSU's played Ole Miss, LSU's played Missouri, Bama's played A&M, Georgia's played Auburn, but we've only had one matchup between those two groups. And that was the old Miss at Alabama game when Alabama won, right? But that's not stunning to anybody. So what happens when these teams match up? And we're going to talk about one of these later with us going to LSU. But it's going to be interesting to see some of these other matchups as they move along during the season. We got we got you know A and M at Tennessee this weekend too. So yeah, and um, South Carolina wants to be one of the good offensive teams, but they've taken yeah, they a step do. back. Mississippi State thought they would with their quarterback, but they've got too many other problems. They had to struggle to beat Western Michigan, which was kind of ugly. Um, I saw, by the way, way more of that game than I wanted to because I had the four-way thing going. That It wasn't me choosing. It was that YouTube TV just offered me four games in a grid. And so I was watching Texas-Oklahoma and – I guess Missouri LSU was the one I was focused on. And then there was one other good one. And then Mississippi state, Western Michigan was down there in the bottom corner. And I kept catching myself getting distracted by it and then going, stop watching that one. (laughs) What are you doing? Wasting your life watching that game. Just stop, stop, pay attention to the right one. But, but no, I think there's some, I think there's a lot of truth to that. I think that um, this is a very weird year where there's not a, I mean, you know, Georgia's dominant to a degree, but they almost lost to us. They almost lost to Missouri last year, though. Um, but otherwise, yeah, teams are good at one thing or good at another, but there's not really a complete, a really complete team so far. Although, like I said, Georgia's the one that's probably the closest to it, and they looked it against Kentucky. But, you know, it's like we've always talked about for years on here, John, is that so much of it is matchups, 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 right? You, you yes. have a matchup against one team and you win 70 to nothing. You match up against another team that's equally talented but in a different way, and it's a overtime. So It's a rock, paper, scissors thing. We're going to talk about that because I think that matters with A&M Alabama and what happened in that game. Yeah, yeah, and it was still close. I mean, it was only a six-point game, even though Alabama mm-hmm. seemed to kind of take over there for a while. It it was a weird it was the, the A&M Alabama game I don't want to go into it in detail yet I'll save it but I just want to mention it was a weird game because it felt the first half felt like a pretty even fight but the second half felt like Alabama was running away and yet they only won by six so it was just odd it felt like Alabama should have won that game by like 21 points and yet they were scrapping and clawing at the end you know doing onside kick or whatever they were yeah so um yeah, I mean, so home home field and what kind of team you have goes a long way. And and again, we you mentioned that earlier. The home field advantage thing really really matters. When you see a result in this conference and you see some team play great, and then you look up and they were home, remember that. Do not assume that you know Georgia is going to play the way they played at Auburn in home games. They're not. They're going to play better. But also, right. don't assume that you know the way LSU's been playing, they're going to play that way at home. Okay. Um, yeah. Don't, Auburn has had two road games, and the offense has been terrible in both. We moved progress against Georgia. Does that mean the offense is going to be better? When we get back on the road. I don't know. 
it's this has really been a mystery season. I mean, it's just been one of those years that just when you think you kind of got everything figured out and pinned down, something weird happens, and you're like, oh. Because it's the same Alabama team that, that barely beats South Florida. Yes. I mean, so, and then they turn around and, and – and and Georgia Tech, as we're going to talk about later, beats Miami. Everybody's talking about the the mistakes that Miami made, but my my question is, how in the crap was Georgia Tech within one score of Miami in the first place? That's the mystery. It sh- it shouldn't have mattered. Is the point? They should have been able to fumble on the in the last minute, and it instead of being forty five to ten, it's forty five to seventeen is what it should have been. So I, yeah. there's just some mystery, mysterious stuff to talk about there. We'll get to, we'll get into all that. Well let's go ahead and look at LSU. Uh, we're gonna this is interesting. It's a six o'clock central, seven o'clock eastern um, on ESPN. That's the way I think of the Auburn LSU game. There's been a few years like Cam's year where it was a 2.30 CBS game, which is great because that's the big spotlight. But historically, Auburn LSU has been the 6 o'clock ESPN night game on ESPN. Yes. That's that's historically what it's been, with Ron Franklin preferably and Mike Godfrey, but we don't have that anymore, unfortunately. Uh, that's how I think of that game. Weird stuff happening at night, either on our campus or theirs. And so I'm not intimidated by you know night game in Baton Rouge. I'm looking forward to... Uh, to sing yet another installment in this series. So what do we really think of LSU? They they seem to be able, with that quarterback and a couple of their receivers, they seem to be able to move the ball, but they also sure do seem to give up points, give up scores. Uh, they're, they're one of the top five defenses in all of college, uh, top five offenses in all of college football, but one of the bottom five defenses in the Power Five for sure. They have been wow. terrible. They played one you know, really great team, Florida State, in a neutral site. And it was close at halftime. And then in the second half, like, Florida State kind of stuffed their offense and, and ran away from and just kind of tore up LSU's defense, which is yeah. what we've seen in these other games. I think this LSU defense has – they're not very good in the secondary. Hmm. Uh, their linebackers aren't great. They have a couple of good defensive linemen that are pretty solid. And they have this guy, Harold Perkins, who I've talked about before, I think is a real – difference maker but he has not had the kind of year people like people thought he was a guy that in the second half of last season you know was a key uh to them beating alabama he got a ton of pass rush in that game some other games they played and so we all thought he'd be an all sec caliber player but he's been kind of inconsistent and he's had a, a problem with kind of some of the more physical teams they played and he doesn't seem to make as much difference as you'd think that guy would make especially when you know, they have an offense where they're scoring a lot. You think you could just turn that guy loose and the other team and have problems, but it hadn't worked that way. So you're right. Jaden Daniels, the quarterback, has been excellent. He's a Heisman Trophy candidate. He led the SEC in rushing among quarterbacks last year, and I'm sure he's in first again this year. Mm-hmm. They have, you know, several really big receivers. Um, Neighbors is the, is the one that led the SEC in receiving last year, but their other receivers, the guy that caught three touchdowns against Missouri this past weekend, um, so they're not as good or pure straight up running from the tailback position team as some other LSU teams we've right. faced in the past. Yeah. But I, I'm going to be honest. Jane Daniels is a, it's like a little better Nick Marshall. I'm going to say that. Mm. Uh, I mean, I, he's a really good runner. He's decisive and he cuts up field. Well, he makes guys miss. And, uh, 
but he he's a good he's a good accurate passer too. He's not yeah. awesome at it, but he's solid. And they have their receivers are tall and explosive, and that's going to be a problem for us. We you know we have smaller cornerbacks that are really good, but this is going to be a challenge for them to face up some taller LSU receivers. Um, we you're right. We almost beat them last year in an ugly game in Jordan Hare. Mm-hmm. Daniels did not play great. Um, we really bottled them up and got pressure on them and caused problems, and we need to do that again. Um, but their defense is so bad. You know, Old Miss had 700 yards against them. And, <laughs> no kidding. And Missouri rolled up and down the field against them. But I'm, I'm going to mm-hmm. be honest. Like, Missouri and Old Miss's offense are really, really, really good. Mm-hmm. And so this is going to be a little bit of, like, you know, our strength against LSU strength, our defense against their offense, and their weakness against our weakness. Yeah. And which of those weaknesses can, you know, can emerge over the other, I think is going to be the story of the game. What's going to be the weakest unit on the, on the field? Auburn's offense? Because that might I, I hope it's it. LSU's defense. Um, right, right, right. But I think it's also going to be, you know, Peyton Thorne in Baton Rouge with that crowd going bananas, you know, on third and ten or whatever, how are you how are we gonna feel at that point? Not great. Um but I but I do think we can run the ball on this team. Again, we played Georgia and A and M and their run defense is really good. Their front sevens are really strong. Oh, yeah. And LSU is not on the same planet with them. You know, Ole Miss ran for several hundred yards in that game. And I think we can get the running game going and then give, you know, Thorne a chance to pass the ball when the pressures off him a little bit so well what's scary is that Ole Miss uh and Missouri had so much offense against LSU and only one of them won and that one was close Mm -hmm. so LSU's offense is so good that they almost overcame their terrible defense anyway in both games they did in one you have an amazing statistic here share that with the listeners about the 133 there Okay, there are 133 teams in Division I football. LSU, their defense is 131st wow. in big plays allowed, wow. plays of 10 yards more. The only SEC team below them is Vanderbilt is 133rd. And I, in terms of passing big plays, LSU's offense is first in the SEC, and their defense is second to last, only above Vanderbilt. Wow. Auburn is last in generating Big passing plays, right? Well, yeah, we we don't. So, I got a I got a note. You you have a typo here. You put Vanderbilly. That ought to be their new mascot. <laughs> Bring out Vanderbilly! Woo! Vanderbilly comes out. <laughs> hey, how doing? Um, the way that we almost beat them last year was by defense, yes, but also there were several times where we had obviously um, Robbie Robbie at quarterback, and they were coming really up to the you know eight nine men in the box. And he threw over their heads and hit like a wide open receiver. So I don't know that the passing game is going to be. I know this sounds weird to say. I don't know if our passing game is going to be as successful with Peyton Thorne as it was with Robbie Ashford. That's a crazy thing to say, but there it is. Well, but I think this, the philosophy should be the same, right? Yeah. We should make them so scared of the run that they bring everybody up and it makes it easier for Peyton Thorne to complete a couple of passes over their head. But he has to have that same attitude that Robbie had in that game, yeah. which is like, there's somebody down there somewhere. I'm just going to chuck it. You know, he hasn't, we haven't seen a lot of that out of him yet. I, I mean, that worked. I 
felt like we should have kept doing that every play <laughs> against uh, against them last year and, and certainly this year. We'll see. And, I mean, it yeah, it does make a difference. It'll be in Baton Rouge. But, I mean, we won there last time. I know it took a heroic effort by Bo Nix. But, um, all right, well, let's look at Auburn's offense. Um, uh, we're going to try to slow the game down, control the clock, run the ball. I mean, that's got to be the plan, right? Free said he wants to shorten the yeah. game. Run the ball, and he also Freeze also said today that he that they're looking to revamp their third down offense and their play calling, and get the right personnel on the field for the right plays. So, I, that sounds good to me because there our third down offense has been terrible. Um, yeah, I think we have five third downs in the last conversions in the last two games combined. So, um, I think that's important, and I think it's going to be a challenge when it's really loud and chaotic in that stadium to, to get the right people in the field and the right formation and stuff. It's, we're going to have to have good, clear plan, and everybody know what the signals mean and that kind of stuff. And I think slowing the game down is it. I think keep their offense off the field, do some of that Tuberville at South Carolina stuff where we have long <laughs> drives, and, and maybe we try and steal a possession on special yeah. teams. When they're so much better than us on offense, let's take a possession away from them. I like that idea. Yeah. No. Um, I think Freeze said something along the lines of that there were 10 plays. Talking about the talking about the third down offense and everything. He said there were 10 plays against Georgia that kind of were the keys to the game where we didn't do what we needed to do. And if we had done it, we might have won. Something along those lines. And I think he said like six of them were the coach's fault and four of them the players didn't execute, did the wrong thing. So... They're really wanting to. I mean, he, he he. I love that he keeps stressing. He's just like, we've got to figure this out, and we're going to figure this out. And I mean, he keeps complimenting Montgomery and saying they're working together great and all that. But I mean, clearly something they're not on the same page, right? I mean, maybe they're getting there, but they haven't been on the same page at the beginning of the year. No, but I think they're getting there, and I think part of it is them, but part of it is also, like, what can Thorne do yeah. versus what do they want to do? Well, interestingly, against Georgia, they still didn't have a lot of outlets for him to throw to. They just had it set up for him to run. So it was like we replaced the downfield passing game with kind of a RPO that was RPO toward deception with the run to the running back and then like you said it's kind of a Nick Marshall thing where he would you know read the defense and do a little option you know pull it back or let it go whatever type of thing and that was very effective against Georgia so we'll see what it if they run the same type I mean do you expect what do you expect our approach on offense to be against LSU what would be because again you said their defense their their defense isn't great what do you think would make the most hay again I think some of the stuff we did against Georgia Trying to confuse them a little bit with the running game, inside, outside, you know, zone read, RPO kind of stuff where we're running it with the running backs, the quarterbacks running it. But also, I think we did some stuff the Georgia game. We were dumping it to Batie yeah, on little sling passes, and that was that's successful. True. And I think that'll 100% be successful in, uh, again this game. Like, that's when we got to go back to. Um, we haven't run a reverse. No. This year, maybe? I Do you remember? A, I'm going to go look right now. Have we handed the ball to a receiver on a play? Uh, the only thing is kind of like a the old um, the old Ricardo Lewis kind of sweep thing we've done a couple of times, something similar uh, to that, but not really a reverse. Van, there are no receivers on this roster that have a carry. Wow, okay. This season. We're in game six. Yeah, let's <laughs> do it. They've been saving it, man. 
Well, but I like it's it's just dramatically different from the Gus era, right? And even the Harson, we we did two or three a game at least, it's, especially it's, when Robbie was quarterback. So and I Terry Bowden. It's just so funny. Think, it, go ahead. It just it's funny you mentioned Gus because I was just thinking that maybe they're saving it up like Gus saved up that big play on second down that we never saw. <laughs> We're still waiting. All these years later, I'm going to it's email coming. Gus one day and say, Gus, if you had had one more season, would you have finally run that pa- that play action pass on second down? And he just, he just said it would have. He said it would have worked so better. And we got to get better at celebrating. That's right. I, but I do think I think we're going to run the ball. I think it's going to be we're going to have some zone reading quarterback keeper stuff. I think we're going to try and keep him out of third and long where they're going to you know be. Uh, unleashing everybody on him and caught, you know, and putting us in dangerous situations. We don't. We need to avoid turning the ball over. We need to create turnovers like we have the yes. last few games. And we've done that. And so that, and that's right, we've done it. But I think on offense, it's a tough to go down there and execute without penalties when the noise is really loud and without turning the ball over. I think we need to do that, and we so we need to play offense in a controlled way. But also, I think they're really going to be running the ball to try to make up for the fact their defense has been bad. And I think we can do some misdirection things a little bit to get them out of position and create some big plays. I think we're going to get some bigger plays in the running game that we've had to this point in the season. We've had some, you know, some five and 10 yard runs, but I'm talking about some 20 and 30, 40 yard runs. That'd be so nice. And I mean, if we can't have Damari back out there, uh, I wouldn't mind seeing Cobb getting a few, getting a few plays. I agree. I mean, he didn't get much against uh, Georgia. He he played a little bit earlier in the season, but he's kind of been MIA lately. So it would be nice to see him step up since he's like the third option right now. That's it. Um, and then on defense, it's yeah. about you know contain the quarterback. You know, don't overrush. You know, like a crazy kind of the way people used to rush Nick Marshall or Cam, where you'd. You know, you're rushing to contain, and you want to bring him down, but you don't want to run in like a wild person because he's going to go by you and get 20 yards going the other way. That's staying in your lane and 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 have being under keep containment is very very important against him because they just assume he run the ball. Um, and then tackling in space, like they're going to complete some passes. He's going to get away from people. There's going to be one on ones with Auburn defenders in the open field, and we got to tackle. That's a that's a normal for LSU, but especially in this game against this offense, we have to tackle the guy when we get our hands on him. Um, their offense is so good, they almost never punt the ball either. Yeah. They have the fewest punts in the conference, I think. So we, That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, even more than LSU. I mean, than Ole Miss. Even even less than, L- than Ole Miss, yeah. So every, every series they don't score a touchdown is a win. It's field goal, punt, turnover, whatever it is. Every every series every series they don't score a touchdown is a win for us. We got I think that. that was something else. For, I didn't get to the end of it, but I heard somebody else talking about it. I think that Freeze was basically saying they're going to get their yards, but we got to hold them to field goals. Yeah, they're going to move the ball. That's I mean, you do not panic or get upset yeah. or freak out when Auburn allows them some yards because their offense is really good and they're you know they got guys that can make plays. So uh, as long as they're not scoring touchdowns. Let him move up and down the middle of the field. That's a, it's not the end of the world. Uh, yeah, their offense kind of reminds me of like backyard ball where the quarterback kind of does everything, stands back there, looks around, throws it, or just takes off and runs, and you have to run him out of bounds or tag him or whatever. So, yeah. Um, so 
I have a I don't have a, a good read on this game because we've played on the road as you note a couple of times the offense was was really bad in both we were able to get a win mostly because the defense against Cal that wasn't enough against A and M um, but there's certainly room to improve on offense so what do you think we're going to be able to do I think we're going to be better and I think it's going to be surprising at times that we are better yeah but the best they played LSU's played one great defense and that was Florida State and they and LSU scored 24 points in that game. So can we go into Baton Rouge with this offense and score 24 points? Hmm. I don't know. Like if we get some turnovers, you know, our spe- big special teams plays maybe. I don't know if we can oh. line up and do our thing and get or if the running game gets to cranking up yes. more than they're prepared for. That would be really nice if we had some surprises for them. Give them a, just give them just a little enough of fair weather in the passing game, and then either some combination of Jarquez and Batty, or maybe Robbie coming in and mm-hmm. taking off on one on them or yes. something. Yes, you know they've played Robbie before; they know what he can do. Um, yeah, so it really is going to kind of be like you know, you know what it's going to remind me of. I'm afraid it's going to be kind of like the old like Florida State games when Florida State didn't have a defense and it was just up and down the field like the the '84 Florida State. Well, but that's a little bit of the danger zone, right? LSU is yeah. like, yeah, come on, that's what they want. Up. They're the team that wants to play full court basketball with you. They didn't want to play half court. They want to right. play up and down, full yeah. speed, and like this is our game. That's so the briar patch. Be, they don't want us to throw them. They don't want us to throw them into. We have to be careful not to fall into that trap. And we get the mm-hmm. ball, you know, grind, get the yards, and keep the ball away from them. And it's going to be hard when their, you know, defense is out of place. There's nothing between you and the end zone. You got to go and score right. But then they're going to come right back down the other way. So I think you you always talk about break and serve. Yes, this is a breaking serve game. Yep. Where we got to hold serve against them. But then when we get the ball. We have to take advantage of it. We can't go, you know, series and series and series with nothing, um, because our defense is going to be under pressure when they are out there. Let's put uh, put our walk on uh, running back that's so big. I can't think of his name. <laughs> Sean Jackson. Jackson at fullback. Put Jarquez and Batty and the halfbacks and run the wishbone triple option at him. What do you think? Put Luke Deal. Yeah. Fullback. Um, yeah. I. Again, I think we're I think we're about to run the ball against them. I think they, you know, LSU and, and Missouri's offenses are really really good, but you know I think their offensive line and any different than ours. And I think uh, we can make plays on this team. We can, you know, I think it should be encouraging to our offense to to play against a defense that doesn't have a lot of confidence. Yeah. And I think we just it, it. I think the first ten minutes or so of the game can be really important. We need to get Thorne a little bit of confidence. We need to have a little bit of success moving the ball, so we believe that we can hang around in the game. And don't take like three five yard sacks and commit a holding penalty and a, yes. and a false start. That would be yes. the absolute worst start for us. It'd be to to come out, do some penalties, take some sacks, look like we don't know what we're doing, give them the ball in a short field. I mean. If there's ever been a game I kind of want to kick off and not receive, I really want to kick off in this game, hold LSU, make them punt, and then run the clock, grind it out. I would really like that a lot. So, all right. Well, that's the LSU game. I I have a, I mean, I don't say I have a great feeling about it, but think about how good it would feel if we win this game. It would be huge. Mm-hmm. 
Against Elish, against Ole Miss, they gave up six and a half yards per rush, and against Missouri, they gave up six point three yards per rush. We can run the ball on this team. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Be interesting. All right, uh, I got to shift gears here for just one second because. This is the Central Florida Golden Knights Report. This has been the Central Florida Golden Knights Report. Now, I got to do a little quick You're ask. You're not hitting that kind of hard-hitting analysis anywhere else, folks. No, you tune into other other podcasts, you do not get that level in depth. No. But I I I do want to have a footnote to that. If for people that are wondering why was the entire Central Florida Golden Knight report, which by the way, we know it's they're just the Knights now, we just don't care. Um, why was it ugh? Well, because um, the well, somebody put it this way. The the big I think Yahoo put it this way, and and who am I to argue with Yahoo? Uh, the Big Twelve has not been kind to UCF after opening the season with three not, three straight non conference wins. The Knights dropped to zero and three in Big Twelve play following a blowout fifty one twenty two loss at Kansas. Now, John, I want to pause here and say I do recognize this is a better than usual Kansas team, but still, if you are Central Florida, if you are Central Florida who claims a national championship from a couple of years ago, you do not want to talk about your blowout fifty one twenty two loss at Kansas. No, unless it's a basketball game. All right, getting back to Yahoo. That loss came on the heels of last week's collapse to Baylor, in which Central Florida lost 36-35 after having a 35-7 lead late in the third quarter. Man, and and um, they gave up they gave up 399 rushing yards, 7.8 yards per attempt. That's what we need to get against LSU right there. 399 rushing yards, 7.8 yards per attempt, and they they rounded that little blurb out, Yahoo did, by saying maybe Central Florida should have waited until after a win to announce a contract extension for Coach Gus Malzahn. Wow. Um, we've seen this story before, though. That's one of the reasons I mentioned it. We've seen this We've seen this movie before where Gus, Gus is going to end his coaching career a very rich man and unless something happens between now and then, with a very mediocre win and loss record. Well, and, and you wait. I mean, Arkansas's coach is in trouble. They're gonna yeah. be a bunch of rumors, maybe. And could Gus end his career with the most money per win in his coaching career of any coach in Division One history? Uh, you gotta let me think about that one. Yeah, there's probably some that are. Some of those Pac-12 guys, like at Arizona and places like that, they that didn't have gone. Make, they didn't make that kind of money. No, that's it. true. Because I mean, I, I don't know how many million he's been making from Central Florida. He just made a whole bunch more from Central Florida. He 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 took twenty something of our million with him when he left, and we paid him for eight years before that. He's doing very well. And I mean, you know, if this is all for the kick six, fine. I'll pay twenty five million dollars for the kick six. That's great, but. He just he's keeping that gravy train going. I guess you gotta respect the hustle, right? I mean, I don't think he's a terrible coach. No, I mean, not at all. Is, you know, moved into a new conference and they're gonna have their problems there. But I think in 
I think in the long run, they're probably going to be okay there. Well, we got to pause here and thank the patrons. We do not do ads. Oh, by the way, I meant to uh, I meant to point out talking about that. No, no, it's another one. I'm sorry, I'm, I've confused my own self. Let's get back to it. We have to thank the patrons. We depend entirely on our listeners. We don't do ads. You don't have to listen to ads. You can fast forward through our other nonsense, but but you don't have to fast forward through ads. We're not trying to sell you chicken fingers or male enhancement products or anything like that. We are just doing our uh, our sports talk here and other wacky nonsense. So. If you want to be part of the family and contribute to this insanity and help us stay on the air, go to www.auwishbone.com. www.auwishbone.com. You can, uh, we, cause we thank every patron live on the air every week and you get to do things like our fantasy formula one league, which is kind of in its last stages. Now just a few races left to go. There is our current sec pick em pool that's underway We'll have a basketball pool coming up in the beginning of the next year and all the various things that we always do. It's a lot of fun. Uh, you also get in on, on certain deals like we have our new book coming up this fall and um, we will make, well, we have to talk about this, but we're hopefully we'll be able to make something special available to the patrons with it. If nothing else, like we've been doing, we'll certainly list the names of all of our patrons in the book. Our last two Auburn books have included the names of every patron at the time the book was published. So your name is in there for all of eternity. So that's another perk. All right, so here are the fine folks currently keeping things going with uh, the AU Wishbone uh, and, and our patron uh, Patreon. That includes Samuel Salvatore, Phil M. Thor, who always points out... That's the sound of... They're celebrating right in front of me. This is the worst. This is the worst. No! That that was recorded live at the Miami-Georgia Tech game at the end. (laughs) (laughs) It it could have also been recorded live on the first lap of the Formula One race at the Mercedes uh, garage. That was Toto Wolf right there when... uh, (laughs) When uh, George and, and Lewis ran into each other on the first lap, <laughs> took each other out. George still recovered. Uh, let's see. We have to thank Boris the Tiger's burner account, Carl Von Drunker, Chris and Clinton Stewart, Logan Chilton says, I definitely still hate Cal, but can I still hate UMass? Of course you can. Ann Kangian, Bill Weathers, Bradley Blackman, David WDE Salmons Esquire, Eric Morgan, uh, Gary Grant, a.k.a. AU Fan at KSC. Uh, <laughs> Uh, if Carol Shelby, I got it on the wrong page. If, oh crap. Oh no, it's all going crazy. Sorry. If Carol Shelby, uh, would have seen my friend David after the Texas A&M game, he would have said, I don't speak Italian, but he ain't happy. That's the truth. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I got to get back on it. Matt Flowers, ever since I got the second and third pages of the uh, soundboard up, it's become actually more complicated rather than less. Uh, Michael Kirsner, Rich Reimer, Richard Stevens, Steve Trawick, Susan Trawick, Trombone Tiger, Willie Carden, William Morgan, Wynn Carroll. Um, oh, this is the one. Wynn sent me a great audio clip a while back, and I got it installed, and then he changed it to something else. So dang it, Wynn, I can't, I can't keep up with you. But he said has uh, he has every Auburn fan's answer to their coworkers since Saturday. <laughs> How are you? Not great, Bob. Uh, I gotta look for that one because I, I guess I did never get it or something. 
Um, Alex Brown, Ben Bloodworth, Bleeds Orange and Blue, calibrating my fun meter in the back booth of Jones Barbecue Foot Massage. That's right. Uh, Chris Hilton celebrating the end of Auburn's potato famine because... We gotta get better at celebrating. Well, I hope so. Chris Thrash, Dan Thompson, Daniel Odom, Earl Ricks, Bobby, um... Frosty! <laughs> that's one of my favorites. Uh, Harry Zagger, H-Town Danny, I ordered a chicken and an egg from Amazon, I'll let you know, <laughs> says 76 Tiger Esquire, <laughs> Sleazy shyster for everybody's favorite location. Jones Barbecue Foot Massage. That's right. You bring it, they'll fry it. Uh, Jacob and Robin Fleming, Fleming, Catherine England, Kevin Smith, Lane Middleton, Mickey B. No one fights like Gaston. Algorithm and Blues, Paul Miles, Rusty Owens, Shane Bailey, Spanky. I'm at the bottom of this list because... God wins it! Uh, Steve Harlan. John, I want to remember to give an update on the book in just a second. Theodore Gary. Thorn hit them in the worst spot their hands. Well, that's the honest truth. Todd Robinson. Warhammer 6. Um, uh, WDE Richie says his fun meter is at 7. And... Please. Please. I breathe. I see. Wait to five and frozen. I see. Frosty. There you go. Uh, Weagle Weagle, Wes Atkinson, What Lies on the Ground, A Hundred Feet in the Air, A Dead Centipede. Oh. There it is. Uh, <clears throat> Wilson Beard, Winston Body, Auburn Blue, Blake Heron, Boris the Tiger. What? Uh, oh, did you spot, uh, did we? Did you see last week, uh, Boris has got his new regal purple and gold. Uh, I did see that. Uh, his, his robes. Ensemble. He, he, his ensemble. He took it off. Because of LSU playing. He didn't want to have any confusion about a tiger wearing purple and gold, right? That wouldn't do. We'll see if he puts it on for the LSU game. I think he's going to like try to claim it back for LSU. Uh, Brandon Smith, Carter Glouse, Colby Butler, Corey Smyer, David D., David Simpson, Di Bama, who is also, the whole crowd is hanging out at. Jones Barbecue and Foot Massage. It's the place to be tonight, apparently. Uh, Josh Teal, just wait till next year. Kevin Mahan, Luther and Kelly Ottaway, Melissa Blackstone, Papa Todd, Patrick Williams, and our one-time and anonymous donors. Ah! Uh, pausing the sleeve jokes out of respect for the season, but just know I'm still thinking it. We got you. Uh, Philip Martin, Randall Walker, Rob Morkin, Russell Milling, Sarah Hines, Sasquatch, Shannon Butson, Spider-Man has a winter jacket made of Mediterranean flatbread. It's called a Peter Parker. <laughs> uh, let's see. Stephen Houston, Tim Pittman, Timothy, Tony Perry, Wiggle87, Woody the Jag, at the Mad Reaper Pepper Company on Instagram, Alex Wynn, AU Falling Up, Ben Amos, Ben Regis, Brent Rumble, Brian Albanese, Charles Mooney, Chris Como. Chris Braun, Clay Henson, Construction Tiger, Dana Barnett, Darren Pyle, Elizabeth Donald. We gotta get better at celebrating. We do. Uh, I'll buy this for a dollar. James Taylor, Jim McCrory, Joey Miller, JT Jarhead, Justin Bean, Kenneth Brent Rain says the barbecue. You have failed me for the last time. AKA Aubrey Dad for life. Mark Squire, MVP. Captivating Kathy Bright. Your love of the halfling's leaf has clearly slowed your mind. 
I do like how you can hear the birds calling in the background now of Kathy's little sound clip. Uh, my favorite button on the remote is pause because I am Tiger, says. Please clap. There it is. Okay. Uh, New York Tiger says, beat LS who? Florida has always been a bigger rival. War Eagle. Oh, hey. Please clap. I give. I agree with that. I give that 100% uh, in my endorsement. Paul Bankson, Rich Hammett, Royce Alvarez, Russell Souther, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, Sports Illustrated's Auburn Elvis, Stephen Thompson, Slinko Family, Tim Sauls, Trevor Johnson, War Eagle Delvin. Where does our coach get his ice cream? The Freeze, of course. Frosty! Uh, and uh, why are you booing John? He's right. Plus our one-time and anonymous donors go to www.auwishbone.com. Uh, let me see. Hold on a second. I'm, oh, there it is. Okay. Um, uh, I've got too many. All right, let's see. What else we got going on? Fantasy Formula 1 update. I hate to even say anything about it. I don't want to jinx it. But Scuderia Toro Plexico has moved up into second place. Five points out of first. Team, McFein, team Face continues to dominate, but only by five points. Tiger Transit in third. Mississippi Racing. Cheeky Nando's, Sir Bacon the First, Albie Mobile, Scuderia Aguila Guerra, Smokescreen 45, and Solitaire. Uh, there's only a few races left to go, so it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. Um, how is it looking in our Pick'em? In the Pick'em, Bill Miner still in first, only got eight wrong of every SEC wow. game of the whole season. That's pretty the good. The whole season. The whole season he's gotten eight wrong. Two teams tied for second. Uh, named Frosty mm. and Sugarloaf Black Ice, which I have learned through an email, is listener Kevin Mahan. Oh, okay. Good Sugarloaf. job, Kevin. That's named after the road he lives on. Nice. Uh, then there's a group after them, Eric Morgan, 96-2AUs, Josh Corbett, Fun Meter Calibration. <laughs> there they are in Warhammer 6. Van moved up and tied me this weekend. Woo! I took... We are, <clears throat> we, are we are a little bit back. We have 13 missed so far between the two of us, but we get we got a ways to go to catch Bill Miner. I yeah. took an aggressive approach this weekend, and I picked both Missouri and Texas A and M. Wow, it did not go well for me. I there was a moment in those games where I felt really good. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I and I think I'm going to be honest. I think Missouri should have won that freaking game. But yeah, A and M we'll talk about. Uh, <laughs> but anyhow, what what how do, how do you feel about the pick'em at this point? No, I think you were smart. I, we we talked about this a little bit last week. That the thing is, you, you get in a play, you get in a position where you have to take risks to have a chance to move up. If you just hold serve, you can never catch up after if you don't start great. The problem is when you take risks, there's just as much possibility that you'll lose, or more possibility that you'll lose, and then you get in a deeper hole. It's like going for two. You start chasing that two point conversion. So. My plan has just been to be steady, steady, and and hope that I fi figure something out here and there. Get a point here, get a point there, and just try to keep just try to keep holding serve again, and hopefully uh, work my way up, work my way up. So, well, we'll see. But it is it is amazing how good the top folks have done. I mean, oh yeah, it's impressive. Bill Miner misses has missed eight all season, and then Frosty and Sugarloaf behind him are, are have only missed nine. That's incredible. So, yeah, it's really, really good. 
All right, let's see. We're, I guess the game is on hiatus during the regular season. We just have too much else going on. But, of course, that didn't stop Van from coming up with a whole new segment that kind of is taking its place for right now. And that is where we take our weekly look at the miscreants, knuckleheads, and ne'er-do-wells who constitute this week's worst coach in the world. John, there really wasn't a lot of competition this week. You know that Jimbo... Turn it down a little bit. Jimbo made some dumb mistakes in his... Oops. Oh, no. Did I mess it up? (laughs) Ah, we'll get it going again. That's all right. Jimbo made some mistakes in his loss to Alabama. That's fine. And Arizona's coach didn't really know what he was doing in overtime against USC. I stayed up and watched every minute of that game, although I will admit I took a nap during the third quarter. But I drank a whole bunch of tea. I know. I drank a whole bunch of tea and was wide awake, and I thought, screw it, I'm going to watch. And, and Arizona got off to a good lead, and so I thought, hey, you know, it'll be worth watching. So it was fun. It went to triple overtime. Doesn't say a lot about USC. They needed triple overtime to beat uh, to beat Arizona at home. USC's defense is bad. Yeah, that was not good. But, John, let's be honest. There's really only one real nominee this week, and I think it's a slam dunk and a grand slam and whatever other non-football metaphors you want to use. Oh, yes, the worst coach in the world this week is Mario Cristobal at Miami. You know, the genius coach who was an assistant at Alabama and left Oregon because he was too good for that place and went to Miami where he planned to reel in all the South Florida talent and dominate college football. Instead, guess what? He lost to Georgia Tech. He lost to lowly Georgia Tech at home, although Miami being at home is not that big of a deal, honestly. A Georgia Tech team that lost to Bowling Green beat Miami. Scott Leffer's Bowling Green. Wow. Oh, oh, salt in the wound. (laughs) Salt in the wound. Um, I did a transitive circle list. I don't think many people saw it because I did it at 3 o'clock in the morning during the USC game. But I was very proud of it. I spent like an hour and a half on it. I went through Wikipedia and traced the records of every freaking college football team that had played Georgia Tech in Miami. And I went forward and backwards down multiple dead ends and I ended up spotting it's kind of like doing concentration when you try to find the two baby rattles or the two rabbits or something you know I saw army and then I saw army the other way and I'm like oh my gosh I can connect this thing in a circle and I traced both to where army started and ended the transitive wind cycle with like 15 teams in between. That's, I mean, I've never done one that worked out that well. And you know, I've done several of those over the years. But to have the same team at the beginning and the end is just, of like 15 teams, is mind-blowing. But anyway, back to Mario. Back to the worst coach in the world. This was an undefeated Miami team that had crushed Texas A&M earlier in the season. Uh, What ended up happening, of course, if you don't know, 
is that after turning the ball over three times already, Miami led Tech by three, and of course the mystery is how they how they only led Tech by three in the fourth quarter, even with three turnovers. They had the ball on Tech's side of the field. Tech had no timeouts left. All Miami had to do was run out the clock. Note, John, I said run the clock, not the ball. Okay, but what do they do? They ran the ball, and with like 20 seconds left, they fumbled, which reminded me of the 1997 Iron Bowl ending where Alabama... Ed Sism coughed up the little shovel pass, the little screen pass, and let Auburn win the game. Georgia Tech hit a long pass, put him in Miami territory with no timeouts, and then hit the game-winning TD pass with one second left on the clock. Tech wins. If uh, Take a knee and Miami remains undefeated. Instead, they lost to Georgia Tech, which is mind-boggling. And this is this just in. Apparently, this wasn't the first time Cristobal did this. In, in 2018, he did the same thing at Oregon. And apparently, he doesn't kneel. They have run the ball at the end of games this year when they were winning. They didn't kneel to run the clock out. They've just handed the ball off and run the ball. He thinks he's smarter than all these other coaches who are kneeling. And it wasn't, here's the thing, Van. So that's one, right? He thinks he's smarter than everybody else that doesn't need to kneel to fight despite the fact that it's the right thing to do and it's safer. He he didn't bother to do it. And, and there's video of another coach telling him and the offensive coordinator to kneel with a minute left. And they didn't. Number two. Wow. Then they're on defense. The Georgia Tech receiver is clearly behind three Miami guys. They own, They need a touchdown. There's a few seconds left in the game. How do you let the receiver get behind your yeah. your defense? It's it, it's a, that is mind-bogglingly stupid. And here's the icing on the cake. Here's a little cherry for you. I can't wait. Mario Cristobal with his whatever eighty million dollar contract, whatever Miami gave him, has not won an ACC game at home. He's zero and five at home in conference games. Holy cow! So 0 and 4 last year and then yeah. 0 and 1 this, and this year. one this would have been his first conference win at home and he lost like that. Wow. Well, all I have left to say at that point then is congratulations Mario. You are this week's undisputed and unchallenged worst coach in the world. All right, there it was. Worst coach in the world segment. Um, now, let me scroll back up and see where we are. Oh, I know where we are. Thank you. Order questions to the Prime Minister. It's time for listener questions. Dun, 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 on the AU Wishbone Podcast. All right, what's in the old mailbag this week? All right. Uh, I already told you about the email from Kevin Mahan telling us he's sugar with black ice in the pick'em. Um, our next email is from Samuel Salvatore. says, hello, guys, and War Eagle. Hey, Sam. Does Jimbo migrate elsewhere before he's fired, or does Texas A&M leave the SEC to save its five-star dumpster fire and not have to worry about Alabama? I don't think he's leaving. I yeah. think the money's guaranteed. Yeah. He's not walking out that door unless they give him the whole pile of cash. And they might. Larry Bird's not walking through that door, fans. <laughs> Kevin McHale's not walking through that door. And Robert Parrish is not walking through that door. And Bobby Petrino's not walking through that door. Well, it's like, I mean, who do you, it's one of those things. Like, you're going to pay him $80 million to go, hey, who are you going to get? 
Yeah. No, I mean, and it, Petrino? It, I mean, if, who, which, I mean, mm. yeah. It's, it's going to be worse for them if A&M, I mean, if Texas comes in the league and is good, right? That'll be the mm. thing that'll absolutely send them over the edge. Oh, and right now that's what it looks like. If they hadn't mm. lost to Oklahoma, that was a close game. And they're going to play again. Yeah. All right. Um, here's the next email from uh, frequent emailer Bill Miner, who says, leader of the pick and pool, who says, guys, even though LSU is the more recent rival, we've had a number of great plays for and against us over the years. What is your personal pro-Auburn favorite LSU play? Mine is the 4th and 12 conversion in 2004 that definitely set the season on a different trajectory. Oh, yeah, that was Jason Campbell to um, Gordon Taylor. Courtney Taylor, yes. And then he turned around and caught the touchdown like two plays later. Oh, man. I mean, you know, the what always comes to my mind is like the 1997 at LSU when uh, Damian Craig led the drive down the field and punched it in. I think it was Rusty Williams actually scored to beat them on a day when they had – was that – was that the Cecil Collins gets a gets 300 yards game and we still won or something like that? It might have been. I may be mixing up a couple of years, but Maybe. I think that I think that was the Cecil the Diesel game and we still ended up winning. I mean, there've been so many, you know. I'm, what about I, the uh, the 2000 when our uh, when Carter Tim Carter had the 100 yard kickoff return against Saban? That was huge. I I mean the interception game. Oh yeah. Well, that's the yeah. That one almost goes without saying. Yeah. Absolutely. But, I mean, I, you know, I think about, like, when you say your favorite personal Auburn memory against LSU, I think about that. I, yeah. With no business winning that football game. Yeah, um, no, that's true. I mean, the stupid uh, <laughs> fake kick flip over the head thing. I oh, Damon that. Duvall, yeah. Well, and, I mean, let's don't forget the Cam Heisman run. Yes. And yes, the, that's the, that is the moment. And then the slightly less remembered but equally important uh, Ontario McCaleb like eighty yard run that sealed the win at the end in that same game. Just that bzz. cam run, I oh. think won him the Heisman. That was it run. did. Oh yeah, that that was just like dripping with Heisman portent all over it. I'm trying to think if um, see the weird thing is that Gus never had any real success against LSU. I mean he even the year we went to the national championship game he we lost to LSU down there. Uh, we we blew them out in fourteen when they weren't that great. Um, but then there was the 17 game, you know, and then we lost in 19, even though we had a shot at winning it. I mean that, and then there's the, you know, those are the, also the, those years in there where Les Miles would do the thing where he would hit the miracle play at the end or some weird thing. Mm. There was the, mm. there was the loser leave town game in 16 that ended up getting, uh, miles fired. Uh, there've been so many, there really have. So James Joseph going over the goal line in 1989 after we since we owed them for 88, you know. So many. Oh, those are good. All right. Uh, here's our next question. This is from the E2C podcast, uh, who says, right. will you miss LSU as an annual matchup, or do you value the new better rotation through the SEC more? I am 100% the latter. I I enjoy the LSU matchup just well enough, but I, I like on a scale of 1 to 10, playing LSU every year is like a three. Getting to play everybody twice in four years is like a 50. I'm just so much more excited. I'm willing to lose LSU two times out of four. It's The, the trade-off is so much worth it. 
you're you're not getting to play LSU two times in four years, but you're getting to play everybody two times in four years. So the the scale is just I'm, I'm with you. The scale is so tilted that way. Yeah, I, I'll be okay not playing them. Yeah, to get yeah, to I'm get. I mean, look. If I'll put it this way. If we were stopping playing LSU two out of every four years and everything else stayed the same, like it was Florida, you know, I'd be like, oh, that sucks. But that's not what's happening. We're losing LSU twice every four years, and we're gaining so much. We're going to play Oklahoma twice every four years. You telling me it's not worth losing a couple of games with LSU that we played a million times for that? I mean, good Lord. I'm so excited. Our next email is from uh, frequent emailer Auburn Elvis, who says, John and Van, should Auburn give up on football and put that money into women's volleyball, soccer, and equestrian? It worked for Vanderbilt and women's bowling. <laughs> it did kind of work for Vanderbilt. <laughs> yeah. No, I I, um, I say you. every school has something it's good at. So if we want to become a women's volleyball school, I'm you know, who am I to challenge that? It's working right now. All right, and next email is from Dan in North Carolina who says, uh, I'm happy for our athletic director that from top to bottom to behind the scenes, we seem to finally be functioning like a decently run program. On the flip side, I'm salty that it took so long and so many mistakes for this to happen. He says, am I being unreasonable or do y'all and others feel something similar? Um, And he says, I'm asking this because the feeling keeps occasionally hitting me when I think about a hopeful future, and then this makes me think about the times that we've lost, that, you know, kind of wasted. What would the, repeat the first part of that again. I want to make sure well, I... he's understand. really talking about the athletic department and how it's really functioning well, supporting mm-hmm. good teams and good coaches, players, mm-hmm. from top to bottom, front to back, mm-hmm. that we're running things the right way, and it seems to be in a different place than it has been. Yeah, and he's also he's kind of upset that it took so long to get here. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, depending on how far back you want to go, yeah, it has taken a long time. But no, that's I mean, I think he's right, and I think he's right about both those things. But I, I'm I just glad that it's a, going the right way. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's good. I feel like the new athletic director has been good. I think he's done a good job so far. Um, I think the the other programs are having a lot of success, and I think that's a good sign. Um, we need to just keep things moving in that direction. You know, um, when we tried to hire somebody before the 21 season and we ended up getting rejected by everybody and ended up hiring potatoes, um, at the time, those coaches were saying behind the scenes that we didn't have unity or we didn't have alignment. Alignment, yeah. I feel like we took the car into the Dobbs location and got our alignment fixed and I feel like we have it now and that and it's funny because at the time we're like no man that's not right that's not true and you look back now you realize yeah we really didn't have alignment at all no. I mean if you you look at how the last regime ended and tell me we were in alignment no <laughs> not at all all right um, last one is a list request from Jeremy Mitten who says he says could Robbie run this offense as well as Thorn uh, with the way the play calling has been even without a passing game, he says in the Georgia game, Ashford would have turned that, that 61-yard run into a touchdown. A few yes. times this year, Ackford, Ashford would have picked up the third down on, on short yardage. Should the game plan change with the quarterback, Auburn's still on track to win seven games to go bowling, keep grinding, and War Eagle. Amen. Yeah, no, it's a good point. It's that they're trying to do something in the, with a passing game and, and all that, and it's 
I mean, they're trying. So it's just a matter of do you want them to keep trying or you want them to just give up and become like an option run like Navy or something, well, you know? I mean, I think if we go down that way, like commit to it in the way we did at the end of last year, I think we're really putting a ceiling on this team. Yeah. Of like how good we can be. And again, part of the problem may be that we've just played two really good defenses. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, maybe if we play some bad defenses, it'll be easier to throw the ball. I'll tell you, we may lose on Saturday, but I'd like to see us ring up some points and some yardage. And I, I mean, how are we going like to get over 100 yards so we don't see that stat again? Oh, God. And think about this. How are you going to recruit good receivers to fix the problem if you don't throw the ball? That's true. Thanks. <laughs> All right. And that's our, uh, that is our listener question. So I guess now, as always, it's time to crank up the automobile. Head out on the highway. Get your motor running. Let's take a trip around the FTC. So, uh, yeah, in the game, I kept trying to get myself to not watch. Mississippi State beat Western Michigan 41-28 to in a game that was exactly that close. It's like every time I looked up, it was about a 14-point difference. It was like it was 14 to nothing, 21-7, to 28-14, and it just kind of stayed like that the entire game. So... Yeah, that's not a great look for Mississippi State that they had to. That was as 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 uh, Funny Maine said. That was a struggle win, and struggle wins are not pretty. Uh, yeah, LSU fans run happy; they could not pull away. Right, right. Uh, LSU, Missouri, forty nine thirty nine. Objects are closer than they appear. Uh, that's a that's very much an Auburn Georgia Tech get a touchdown pick six on the last play of the game type of thing. That was uh, 42-39, I guess, at one point. And it was 42-39, and Missouri had the ball and was driving. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, Alabama, Texas A&M, we talked about that one already, 26-20, and it felt it, – that's another one where it was close, but it didn't feel close, but it was. Again, A&M had the ball at the end of the half. Jimbo sat on it rather than be aggressive and try to yep. score. Didn't even try to get a field goal. It's just – Ran the clock out, ran off the. They had the ball on the Alabama side of the field, like the, you know, at the whatever the forty or forty-five, and it was fourth and one, and he punted. Uh, and then at the end, they they kicked the field goal, and then, uh, you know, kicked off to try to win for the touchdown second. So when they were down ten points. Here's my question for you: You're if you're Texas A&M, and you have Texas A&M money, and you know Texas is coming, what would you do? I mean you. You can't pull the trigger until you have somebody better in the bag, like agreed. Okay. Who are you, you going? Op- who would you be going for if you were A and M? Because we've all known Jimbo is not the answer all along. We've just been waiting for them to realize it, and I think they did like last year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're not going to get Lincoln Riley. Um, I think Lanning has signed a deal to stay at Oregon. Hmm. Lanning um, is interesting, though. Yeah. No, but again, I think you remember I. I was campaigning for him a little bit this time, oh, yeah, although no, I'm I was, obviously I very happy. Too. I think I think he's a good coach. Um, I yeah, I, I just – no, no. Um, well, if you're A&M, would you look for Kiffin? Would you look to Kiffin? He'd probably come. No. no. I mean, I don't – he would come. Yes, he would. And I think it's a – it's one of those things where, like, if you do the same thing ten times in a row and get the same result, yeah. what do you expect the 11th time? And – 
at some point they're going to say, no more, we have to do something else, even if it's risk involved. Yeah. I just feel like they would just throw money at the problem and get like the biggest name they could possibly get. But that, again, there's been a lot of turnover coaching in the last three years. Yeah. A lot of coaches jumped around and that kind of stuff. And I don't think there's not a, there's not a bunch of super highly valued, talented coaches at smaller places. Um, now, there's a couple of Texas-specific guys who are at other schools in Texas – uh, Joey McGuire and uh, one other guy who are like big Texas high school coaching legends who have all the connections and stuff. And so maybe you hire one of those guys and mm. take, but I mean, recruiting hasn't been the problem, but maybe this is, a, right. we're going to try to be the, you know, super Texas team and take the recruiting to 11 or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like they're going to have to, they're going to have to go big, big, big. They're going to have to go Alabama hiring Saban big. Just find the guy and just throw money and get the biggest name they can. I feel like that's what they could do. I, I just don't know who's out there they could get. Right. I know it. I know it. Uh, and you've got Florida that may be on the same path. You know, you have to compete with them. And Florida may not have quite the same money, but they've got the recruits and the resources and the fan base and everything. Nobody's going to turn out their nip and nose at Florida. So, yeah, it's going to be He's hanging on by his fingernails there. So. Yeah, that's right. Uh, let's see. Speaking of which, they beat Vanderbilt 38-14. Vanderbilt just can't get out of their own way. Georgia beat Kentucky 51-13, to and I just don't – I mean, like you said, it was just like against like, but better. That's right. Ugh. And But also, I think Georgia kind of – you know, we always say, like, coaches love a, a win where you play bad because then they can go back and fuss at the players and stuff. And so Georgia went back and said, oh, look, we beat Auburn, but look at all the stuff we did wrong. Let's yeah. go fix all that. Yeah. And let's not, you know. And, and I'm going to tell you one thing. They threw the ball to Bowers a lot earlier in this game. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, and somebody pointed out that we had Bowers kind of bracketed until we lost our good defensive back. I can't. Simpson went Simpson. out. Jalen, yeah. Dang it. Jalen. Come on, Jalen. Um, um, the Georgia thing made me think of something, and now I forgot it. Crap. Is, who's left that can beat Georgia now the rest of the way? Uh on their schedule? Yeah, nobody. They play at Tennessee, and they have yeah. Ole Miss at home. That's probably it. Yeah, and then they'll be in the SEC championship game. Yeah. I'll think of it eventually. I don't know. Um, Ole Miss beat Arkansas 27-20. to 20. Again, struggle win. Ole Miss looked bad. Arkansas is one of those teams that just – Arkansas is one of those teams that's good enough to make it interesting every week, but not good enough to actually win. That must, that must really suck. Well, and again, they've lost three or four in a row, and next week it's they're going to Alabama. So yeah, not not good. So they're going to keep losing. Uh, yeah, like I said, they're just good enough to make it interesting. That's kind of where we are this year, but we don't live there. We're just stopping off in that at that house in a rental on the way up the street. They kind of live there, you know. I, I just true. feel bad. Um, you had a note here about a coach. Well, I just I, it's based on the worst coach of the week thing. I'm just thankful that we did not hire Mario Cristobal right yeah, now. Yeah, so. I agree. Um, that could have been us. Oh, God. Can you imagine us, you and I doing that podcast if that was the end of an Auburn game? No, no, no. No! <laughs> we just play this clip again and again. No! Yes, this is it. This would be I'm it. devastated. They're celebrating right in front of me. <laughs> Georgia Tech celebrating right in front this of us. 
Oh, and, it, and imagine it was Georgia Tech, too. Oh, salt in the salt in the wound. Ugh. Um, I still can't think. I had a comment about Georgia or Ole Miss somewhere in Bowers, there. Hours, Georgia. It's gone. Nasty. Yeah. Right. Uh, coming up, Georgia at Vanderbilt. That's a snoozer. Arkansas at Alabama. I mean, again, Arkansas is going to make it interesting for five minutes, and then they're going to lose by 30. A&M at Tennessee. That's the 230 CBS game. I mean, that could be interesting. Yeah, I think that would be a fun game. Kind of two fairly matched B teams, right? B level, second level. Uh, Florida at South Carolina. Some, somebody has to win that. <laughs> that's the somebody's – somebody's O has got to go, but they're not O. But that's two teams that really have struggled this year, and that's the SEC Network counter-programming them, uh, CBS at 2.30. Um, and then we are, of course, the 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern night game on ESPN, Auburn at LSU. And Missouri-Kentucky is a pretty interesting matchup, too. No, I think it's pretty even. This could be a very interesting. Two very different teams, but pretty successful teams this year. Two we teams that were Kentucky's both undefeated until this week, right? That's right. And Kentucky, not an easy place to play at night, either. No. No, no. I've been there. I know. It's not. Um all right, you have your non-conference game of the week. I need a fanfare for this. What is your non-conference game of the week to watch? And I, th- I was going to say, I think I know this week, but go ahead. It's Oregon at Washington, yeah. 3.30 Eastern on ABC. Against that, uh, you know, running up same time as that A&M Tennessee game. So I, I think this is one of the games of the year. I think these are two great teams oh, with yeah. good offenses. It's going to be really, really fun. Great quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. including one that we have a kind of a rooting interest for. Good old Bobo. So, yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. What do you think? Can Oregon do it? Is it going to be Washington? or? I, I don't know. I think Washington's really good. Washington, again, has a great quarterback and several great receivers. Uh, Oregon may have a little better defense, but I, I think it's going to be really good. I think it's going to go down to the fourth quarter. Washington's at home, so I think that may be a, an advantage for them. I, I think I like Washington. Interesting. All right. All right, final thoughts for this week. Well, we dodged a bullet by not hiring Mario Cristobal, and <laughs> That's a win we all right needed there. the bye week. Van, you and I needed the bye week. We got it, and now yep. we got to prepare ourselves for a night game in Baton Rouge. Go down there, and uh, you know, we, hey, we can't play worse than we did in our first two road games. Right? That's for sure. It can only play better. Well, and we had a week to break down our tendencies on our podcast, figure out which soundboard <laughs> buttons I was pushing too much. Which ones I'm not pushing enough, and uh, I can really only I can I haven't pressed that in a long time. So analytics told Van to click that button. It did. That's right. Um, I haven't. I haven't. There's certain buttons on here I haven't clicked in a long time, but uh, there's some that I've been kind of uh, overdoing a little bit. There they are. That's those buttons right there. But anyway, we will be back in a week to look at the LSU game, how it came out, and who we have the week after that. Ole Miss, yeah, Ole Miss. Ole Miss and. Mm. Breaking news right here. I will be attending the Ole Miss game in Auburn. Oh, wow. Look at you. All right. And I think they've already established that's going to be a 6 o'clock game, right? An evening game, yes. Yeah, night game in Jordan-Hare finally. We've been looking forward to that. So, And then, of course, you and I will both be at the Arkansas game coming up in November for our annual AU Wishbone road uh, road game road trip. uh, Slash slash excuse to eat at Torchy's. (laughs) And still, I've only eaten at Torchy's the one time, which was in 
College Day in Houston or College Station. So, all right, I think it's time to get on out of here. Uh, our time is up. We thank you for yours. Where you go, John? Where you go, man? Thanks for listening to the AU Wishbone. Find links to everything we do at www.auwishbone.com. For more Auburn fun, join us on Twitter at auwishbone and at facebook.com slash auwishbone. War Eagle. The AU Wishbone is produced by Van Allen Plexico and John Ringer. Copyright 2020. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production. Thank you for listening to the AU Wishbone Podcast.